Welcome to Baldly Go, the officially unofficial podcast for all of Star Trek. This week we're talking about Season 2, Episode 9 of Star Trek Strange New Worlds, Subspace Rhapsody. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. Gotta mix it up. Gotta, gotta do things out of order this time. Definitely not a mistake on my part. Uh, let's roll with it. Aaron, this is the musical episode. I'm curious to know what you thought about it, and I know you're curious to know what I thought about it because you tried to ask me before the podcast, and I said, yeah, "No, wait, let's save it." Saving it, saving it for the 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 audience. Um, I mean, I suspect that if you have been a long term Bald Move fan, uh, and you've listened to a lot of what I said over the years, that you probably suspect that I love this episode, and you'd be right. I thought this episode was so much fun the first time I saw it. Um, the second time I saw it, I liked it even better. I actually, you know, when I actually was was paying more attention to like the lyrical content, um, I thought some of the stuff, the character beats were actually moving. Uh, but then again, you know, you get this heightened emotion through the singing. <laughs> I thought it was well, you know, as well integrated into the scientific canon of Star Trek as that it can it can go. <laughs> and uh-huh. yeah, it was just it was just a lot of fun. I mean the feeling that I felt when the Klingons came on the view screen and broke things down Backstreet Boys style. I mean, I got like I said, I, I, I fucking love it. I, and I, I got more to say how this fits in with the overall experiment that is strange new worlds. But of course people really want to know what did Jim, <laughs> what did the, the, the robot man make of the singy singy, uh, music, music episode. Uh, I like some musicals. It's not definitely not my favorite genre. Uh, I've seen a few that, you know, a few of like the all time greats and uh, those are fun. Those are interesting. They always do something, you know, a little outside of the box with their songs and whatnot. Uh, I thought this episode sucked. It not because it's a musical, because I like some musicals. It's just a bad musical. It, it does nothing inventive or creative. Like, look, my idea of a good time is definitely not watching an hour of mediocre to bad pop music, especially when paired with just mind-numbingly boring visuals. They do nothing interesting with the visuals during these songs, and the music itself is not creative in any way. I, I remember we recently watched Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, and they do stuff that is 10 times better than anything, even the grand finale of this episode that Star Trek has pulled off. Sir, the Enterprise does a waltz with three Klingon battle cruisers, and you're saying that there's no inventive music? Like, or they, no inventive... they saved up everything for that finale, and it made the rest of the episode incredibly boring. Mm, it, it's well, like they wanted to create a contrast that, that really just sucked the life out of the rest of the episode. Um, I will say that I don't find anything terribly offensive with your take because I think it is on the surface of it true. Like these are not groundbreaking pieces of music. They I don't think they're supposed to be. I think they're intentionally aping the styles of, you know, Rogers and Hammerstein and who's the guy that did the that's the guy that did sound of music, the guy that did the like chitty chitty bang bang and uh uh Mary oh, Poppins. I um 
I've, I got all I got all these notes in in my head, but like I, I think you're, they're supposed to be kind of like going through the classic show tunes kind of sound catalog, and some of the crew don't sing great. Some of the crew I think sing very very well. Uh, Laan and Ahura especially I think are standouts. Um, yeah, and I'm not gonna take much away from them. You know, they didn't sign up to do a musical, right? They signed up to do Star Trek, so that, that's not a huge problem. It's just I wish they would have done something more creative with them, like. I, I guess if they're doing that, if they're like slyly winking toward uh, musicals of yesteryear, I wouldn't get any of that. It'd all be lost on me. So it's not that sly. It's just like it's, it's like they're just trying to feel like I check off all their boxes. Um, mm-hmm. And and it's uh, you know the other thing I appreciated about it is like there's a lot of like um, season long and in some cases multi season long arcs that came to a head in this episode and let like characters kind of like talk about you know they're trying new directions or how they feel about certain relationships that are forming and collapsing and and how we feel about our place you know uh, have we finally found our place on the the enterprise um and i like i said i think the first third of this show coasted on the for me apparently did not work totally on you this is a real bummer to talk about if you hate the episode this much and i loved it but like I thought the first third coasted by on just everyone's mimused or distressed reactions of being forced to sing. I particularly like mm-hmm. Pike and uh, uh, Laon's, you know, especially Laon's physical discomfort at like giving a security port on a bridge in the form of song and her dread of like, you know, what this is going to be when her and Jim get alone. Uh, I thought the, the middle was the most draggy part because that's where it was kind of carried by nurse chapel and and spock and i don't not super invested in them but i i thought the oh her is you know um her her little um uh what would you call those not a monologue solo um her solo where she gets a couple right like yeah yeah i think she's one of the the better singers and she you know realizes her connect you know that she's the one that makes connections um I thought that was was really great and then leading up to the finale um, I don't know like I said it it, uh, totally worked I just I liked seeing all the red shirts running and leaping in the corridors I like seeing all the bridge crew you know holding hands and talking about how they're the (laughs) boldly explorational uh, crew of the Starship Enterprise it yeah I guess this is kind of a bummer I thought you would at least like it okay (laughs) But... No, I, I, I don't know. I think I think it's just bad direction. I, I think like the director needed to do something more creative with the visuals while people were singing because that that there is two Uhura songs. There's one that's like downbeat and supposed to be, you know, her struggling with her predicament and stuff. Or, or no, I'm sorry, that that's Laan's song. Laan has like a, a really like kind of poignant song in her quarters or whatever. That yeah, I, I thought didn't need much embellishment, but then you get to all the other songs, and I mean, the most fun that I had, I guess, was when Chapel's in the bar and she's just kind of dancing around and you know getting lifted up. There's a little bit of flourish there, that wasn't bad. Interesting, um, because that's my least favorite song, the "I'm Ready." Yeah, I don't know if the song was amazing, but they're at least trying to do something visually interesting there. But man, that Uhura song in engineering, they're literally just like, I don't know, move the camera back and forth. That seems cool, and and I just think it was bad directing for the most part. A lot of the songs were very dancing in the air. 
Don't ever. I'm gonna tell you what. This discipline. Don't ever watch La La Land because boy, you'll really. If you, oh if you yeah, really I want to be disappointed in a, in a musical. Uh, I mean, did they dance in the air? Or did they just hold hands for like a second as they floated? It wasn't. It it wasn't that creative. I I expect more out of a musical. I guess like if you can't hit, oh, I mean, at come least on, a note Pike. as high as as Book of Mormon. Pike, I don't Pike, know what I'm doing well, with this. Well, I mean, you're you're comparing this to like one of the best comedy musicals in this, you know, the last what 20 years written by two guys um, who don't do musicals like oh come, come on. on that's i don't know i feel like that is a natural outgrowth of the work that they did on on south park and and whatnot but like yeah, so you I didn't suppose. like pike you know being put in this compromising situation with patel and and with on the main screen and like that scene of like laon crossing the entire bridge to hang up on <laughs> batal so like the the captain's feelings sure. spared. that shit it has its moments so, it's not because the other thing is i thought but if we set the music stuff aside that you clearly are not happy with the inventiveness and the direction of, um, mm-hmm. do you think that the episode held together just as a piece of Star Trek story? Like, did we get like, you know, um, character development, uh, plot development? Uh, like, yeah, do you- yeah, they were trying there. They, they, they I, I will say it was admirable the way they tried to like <laughs> connect us to science in a way, right? Like a subspace fold that's is creating a different reality that they're stuck in and it's spreading across, you know, the Federation and the Klingon empire. Uh, yeah, that, that stuff, they at least tried there, but that was the most creativity they showed in the entire thing. I don't know. You've got, and this is unconnected to anything else, right? This like, uh, with the plots that are happening right now, I, you could have foreseen this coming at the beginning of the season and really spent some time on this and made it something special and I really don't feel like they did. I feel like this was just kind of slapdash. Like I don't know. Put I'm scared because like I, I don't know about whether... her dead family <laughs> blowing up in a shuttle. That that'll be funny, right? I, no, that's horrible. But that, but that wasn't a funny song either. They weren't playing that one for laughs. I don't know. I I'm I'm curious to see what the public reaction. If this is going to be like giga cringe, like you're seeing it, or if it's going yeah, to be we'll more along like, um. I mean, but, but I, I, because, because my my larger point I was trying to make is I think that Strange New World is showing this really ideal blend of the things I like Star Trek the most. So you got like one third of the episodes in a given season are just straightforward, thoughtful, thought provoking sci fi short stories and like what if you know segments. Like what mm-hmm. if you were on a planet where no one could form long term memories? You know what. If, um there's a one third like very interesting and moving character work you know dealing mm-hmm. with like the the tr- the trauma of war with Mbinga and chapel um and then there's about a third that's just i think silly fun experiments you know like uh yeah. spock ya dating his 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 kooky uh vulcan uh fiance and becoming human during that whole yeah process, turning yeah. to human and this and i to me that is the ideal ratio um if i mm-hmm. confess like you know i love the best of both worlds as much as the next star trek fan but i really like the weird stuff like data's day and the captain's holiday and i can't remember the episode when when q came and t- took them all into the uh uh, Nottingham Robin Forest Hood, yeah. and they did the Robin Hood stuff like I like those little one-off adventures or, or something that is just a weird thing that the show does not all of them work but mm-hmm. I'm glad that they that they went for it and I'm, I'm just I'm curious like uh, 
Yeah, I think your odds of liking this was a lot lower than the probably baseline Star Trek fan, but I don't even know that's true. I don't know how much crossover there is with musical fans and Star yeah. Trek fans. And I, don't know I was hoping that if people weren't musical fans, they would like this episode just because it does ape so many popular styles that people are familiar with. And, and I thought the lyrical, there's a few awkward phrasings, but I thought actually... It was a fairly sophisticated uh, the, the lyrics that fit well. They, they weren't too strained beyond what the average like dialogue was for, you know, Starfleet officers talking on the bridge. Like they were working ta- words like <laughs> tactical displays and subspace frequencies and sub, you know, uh, the warp field folding and stuff like that. And then the song, which is pretty tricky easy. i would feel like yeah I, I agree like the bar is very high um because it's set by very good musicals uh that are musically and lyrically very complex um akin to what they're doing kind of at the end of this but not not really they never do anything complex as some of the best musicals i've seen for sure um but then they also have you know that challenge of like how do we work this jargon in in a believable way and you know what rhymes with orange kind of thing right um, mm. maybe ask Eminem for some advice. I don't know. Door hinge is one of them. So yeah. I think he comes up with yeah. Yeah. Lawrence <laughs> with his door hinge. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, but, but I think they missed that bar. Like that's what I'm saying. I, I think there is a high bar, and and yes, it's difficult, but you gotta live up to it if you're gonna do something like this. And I just don't think they did. Well, the nice things is I don't think there are probably a lot of people who are just like lukewarm in this episode. It, it probably will be polarizing to the extent that you either oh, really yeah. like this and think it's fun or you hate it like Jim. So and good news. Both of your views will be represented on this podcast. So <laughs> yep. only you goddamn centrists are going to feel like uh, you, you, did, you didn't get adequately represented. Uh, but I don't know. Maybe you can synthesize the harmonic difference between Jim's negativity and mm-hmm. my positivity. To yeah, synthesize. blow it out your deflector dish. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure you compensate the Heisenberg uh, compensators uh-huh. or uh, shit's going to get improbable. Yep. Uh, all right, we should probably get to the episode. Let's do it. Uh, we get the beginning, you know, it starts with a log. It's a communication officer's log. Enterprise encounters a natu- naturally occurring subspace fold, and Spock says it could be used to triple the speed of subspace communications in the sector. But his experiment is sucking up so much power that Uhura has to become the switchboard operator of the Enterprise. She is the computer routing calls yeah the enterprise computer can no longer route phone calls the spock's using every bit of wild yeah all the plasma is directed right into i don't know if there's i wonder if like if there's you know how how the 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 go-to thing is the the say like do you know that the power in your phone is a million times more powerful than the the computer that landed the apollo module on the moon right you hear that all the time Mm -hmm. i wonder if, if picard's day like you know any like school teacher or whatever pulls off their communicator and says the power do you realize the power of this communicator uh, is a million times more powerful than the computer that James T. Kirk piloted through because yeah like what the fuck Texas Instruments speak and spell shit that we got that that that, that Spock doing some warp experiments is making Uhura go back to be like a 1920s switch, switchboard girl yeah you she's can't. like literally I mean it's really funny physically to watch her pushing the buttons and be like hold for this call hold for this call please but it's yeah it's a lot it's a lot yeah 
Uh, I wonder what systems are still online that are like wholly unnecessary, but they just didn't think to shut off to do to make your her's job a little easier. Right. Is there like, oh yeah, we're still running the background process that like filters out poop from the transporter or something. Are they still like, are they still powering the emergency holodecks that comfort the crew in times of the ship being destroyed? I know uh-huh, they don't have uh-huh, holodecks like Picard, yet. Yeah. They don't have holodecks yet, but yeah, that's the that's uh that's what they're doing. They're you know, like yeah. uh did they do they restrict the replicator? Right? Are they do they shut down they, the bar? Shut down the bar, let her shut have Shut down the bar. Yeah. Turn everyone's uh, turn the temperature up in everyone's room, up or down a few degrees. Probably down. Is it is it easier to keep cold in space or hot? Probably easier to keep cold. Uh, yeah, probably. Radiating that heat is not easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, or maybe mm-hmm. maybe huddle some people up in some rooms and just shut off the life the life support for half the ship. I don't know. Yeah, because she looks like she's struggling. Load everybody on the shuttlecrafts. Get it done. She's already tired. Hasn't been sleeping. I mean, last week she went through an ordeal, man. Give her a break. I was wondering, because, like, I found myself a little bit of tension that I found fun where I was waiting for the first song to break out, because, like, there's a couple things where, like, when she swivels from that chair and kind of sighs, I'm like, oh, is it going to happen now? Oh, is it going to happen now? Is it going... Like, when Batal calls and starts playing the vacations, like, is it going to start now? Um, Mm -hmm. I kind... I, I wish that I... I wish that I did not know this musical episode was coming so that oh, I could just yeah, be yeah. watch. you know, I could just watching a Star Trek episode and like, what the fuck? Mm. Um, but I don't even think in the old days, because when I was watching like Star Trek Next Generation on TV as it was coming out, they'd always have the next time on. Yeah. And there's no fucking way I'm never going to not watch that. So like they'd have to not show it's a musical episode yeah so i don't know i don't think there's ever a point in my life i wouldn't have been spoiled by this stuff but i did think like man i i wish i could be the star trek fan that has no idea what the hell is happening when 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 this starts up mm-hmm. yeah that would have been interesting <laughs> uh like you said captains Battelle and pike planned their first vacation together but he's not feeling it so they postponed the planning a bit I think they she suggested going to creville creville i i don't know i don't have subtitles i don't know this planet it's not riza so i don't know it Mm-mm. it sounds like it's a tourist trap uh-huh very you know shopping. yeah yeah what, well it's... what <laughs> what does a federation citizen need with shopping good question what does that look like tourist traps i mean it's just lounging right i mean that's all you can do as a tourist now you can't uh you can eat you can drink you can lounge i think she well i mean it's telling that she's going to some kind of like presentation like there's some kind of like museum mm-hmm. she's going to so it's like there you go you can see where it's yeah started. maybe but maybe there's also um the idea that like go into a planet you can eat not replicated food because especially okay. in this era, it seems like yeah. they've said that there's some stuff that just doesn't replicate well. So it's like, ooh, we can have a real chocolate sundae or drink some real alcohol. Uh, actually, do the replicators... non-treaty world. We can drink Romulan ale here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we can drink whatever we want. Uh, do do the replicators in the original Enterprise create synthahol drinks, or is that just synthahol the next generation for thing? sure? Was like a the old series thing because I think that's what they was say it? they're drinking. 
Wasn't that what they're drinking in uh, Star Trek Six, or was that actually ra- like Romulan oh, brandy? It's been. It was so supposed long. to be Synth Hall, and it turns out it was actually like. Yeah, but no, I, I Synth Hall was a, the old series deal. Okay, because I know they did in TNG. I wasn't sure mm-hmm. at the original. Uh, yeah, so you could probably drink real alcohol. And that'd be nice. Uh, you get a lot of kids, a lot of cadets on shore leave, a lot of ensigns who are like, hell yeah, let's go down and drink the real alcohol, and they just, mm-hmm. they don't know how to handle it. Yeah. Yeah. I think, is is it is it canon that, like, Synthahol can be, like, volunta- the, the effects of Synthahol can be voluntarily dismissed? Like, it gets you drunk, but if you, like, if you, like, if intentionally think about sobering up, you'll sober up? Yeah, it'd be nice. Or it'd be nice if they had, like, a chaser that would sober you up, you know? Yeah, there you like go. Like, oh god, I've had way too much. I'm about to throw up. Give me, give me the, yeah, the give me the, the morning after. Yeah, <laughs> shot. The, the, that's not that's not house. what I nope. <laughs> well, what do they call the, it? The the, the plan you put B like shot. Tabasco yeah, and orange shut juice the whole or whatever. Thing down before it begins. Yeah, hair the dog. They call <laughs> yes, it. Yes, there you go. No. Uh, okay, chapel. <laughs> so these guys. Wait, wait. The, the beer. I, I want to oh, say something. Uh, I I'm I. Mm, I'm not digging many of the relationships on this show, and as a shipper, I'm not I'm not happy about that because I kind of want everyone to hook up. Um, and I don't like I don't like Patel and Pike together. I think she's on to something. If he can't be honest with his opinion about her choice of vacation mm-hmm. and tries to weasel out of with some kind of duty shit, like what the hell? And How like, many chances this is, is he gonna get? That's the well. Thing. The other thing is 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 the undertone that he's keeping a lot from her actually does she she doesn't Maybe. does she know about his date with destiny i don't think so no i don't think so either and i think that's what you're supposed to get is the undertone is that he is keeping her at arm's length and she's starting to feel it and instead of like yeah. leveling with her um it's 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 increasing the distance so i wonder if they'll resolve that next finale the, the next episode because you uh the last season finale kind of all dealt with christopher pike and his you know manifest or his 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 de- destiny and his fate and all that and mm-hmm. i wonder if they'll just make that uh since he's what's been a pretty pikeless season you know there hasn't been a yeah, lot relatively. of pike i wonder if they're going to save another like extravaganza pike pike extravaganza for the end they could be uh yeah it, it makes a lot of sense i i was gonna say well he can't come clean and tell her about it but we see Lon do exactly that this episode with zero consequences so far mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I guess he could uh, but yeah he th- that's definitely the tension there right like he can't really tell her about this he knows this relationship is not going to be long lived if it happens and so he's kind of like uh, I want to but I shouldn't try to protect her I think yeah, from the that's loss. always a bad choice, right? You should just lay the facts out there for them and let yeah. them protect themselves if they want to. Yeah, you can make arguments for protecting children from like knowledge sure. and things like that, sure. but adults, you, yeah, best best practices the the level with them. Yep. All right, Kirk is beaming over to the Enterprise for some training under Una, and she notices Delon has an energy about her when Kirk is coming over came in here hot on fire it's making me sweat i thought this was gonna be the song and i thought that would come back in a song form at some point this episode but it doesn't it's a weird line that kind of teases the musical angle of that's this, what i'm but telling you really. i really 
I think there's several points here where they're baiting the people that know this is a musical into thinking, oh, it's about to start. No, no, it's it's a, like a jump scare. What do you call- bring it back, right? <laughs> this should be Chekhov's making me sweat. This should be like an integral theme <laughs> of one of the songs later in the episode, but I don't think mm. it really is. Mm. So I, I don't know. That That was, I see what they're doing. It was just a little weird. Set phasers to add. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Captain on bridge, welcome back to Baldy Go. Uh, Chapel is nervous about the message that she got from the Archaeological Medicine Fellowship. She reads it, turns out she got in, but now she has to talk to Spock about it. Uh, it's going to be hard. She'll be gone for three months. Yeah, they make it feel pretty final. I which know, is dude. Weird. It feels like that's the thing. I don't understand um, because I, I don't understand why Spock is being so serious about this relationship. I don't understand why she is like suddenly putting like all the brakes on the relationship. Um, although it does suggest that like you know there's been a lot of recent like traumatic events that have triggered a lot of stuff for her. Uh, I like I just yeah this. This is not a this is not a fun this is not a fun ship so far. I agree. Yeah. Uh not super interested in this angle though. I don't know some of the some of the song work they do I think is fun. It's like some of the most fun you have aside from the finale, grand finale. Yeah. Anyway, uh we find out she's going to be working under a Dr. Corby, which will come into play later. He's the Louis Pasteur of archaeological medicine. Mm-hmm. And then we go over to Spock, who's running his experiment with zero success. They cannot send messages through the subspace fold. So Pelia just kind of out of nowhere suggests they send music through the fold rather than a message, you know, for fundamental harmonics reasons. Um, Uhura picks a song, It's Anything Goes, which I guess is a very famous musical song uh, written by yes, some, some yes dude a long time ago. Uh, it causes a reaction with the subspace fold, which spreads through the entire ship. And everyone starts singing their thoughts, and they don't know why. And we'll get to the rest of it here uh, in a second. Um, I, does, does yeah, you said it came out of nowhere, but come on. Uhura was like kind of humming uh, absentmindedly. It's, they, they're kind of establishing that as something she does when she's concentrating, and that's what caused Pella to suggest... Why but, not blast some major fifths and modal sevenths through and see what happens? It's math. Sure. It's musical math. The reason I, I feel like it comes out of nowhere is because Pelia's tone here, her the way she says these words make me think that she doesn't understand what she's saying. She's like a student who is like asking the chief engineer questions about things they have no idea about and trying to learn as opposed to like suggesting ideas from a place of knowledge. And an understanding. She does not come across as somebody who knows anything about doing her job. Why do you say that? Like, what? It's her, it's her demeanor. It's everything about like the way she interacts with these 
these other characters is like she just seems lost in everything i don't i mean this is a, a, a phenomenon that no one has ever seen they're actively studying so it's like but like i i, I guess i didn't I, I don't i look man you hate pella i i don't uh-huh uh, I'm not. I'm not well, getting asking any questions of these like, things. Oh, and why is three times communication speed a good thing? Like, are you a fucking engineer or not? Do you not <laughs> okay, understand right. the importance of communication in every human endeavor? Aren't what they? The but fuck? aren't they? But aren't they trying to suggest that like these young, very young, energetic people are excited about communicating three times faster? And what does that mean for someone who's been alive for three thousand years? She's like she 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 was on earth in the days where the the you know you had to wait for the the slow boat from the old world to like uh-huh. you know make its way across the mediterranean to get something and it's like i i thought it's more that than like she doesn't understand physically how this will all work it's like she's like i don't understand why we're why you guys are so excited about this and why would she be because she's super old and time is relative to her did she not i mean she's lived through so many changes in the way societies communicate you would think she would understand intrinsically how communication speed affects the lives of ordinary people um it changes the world possibly i mean you her makes the case here like it's incredibly important and she's just it's all lost on her she's oblivious and she's yeah. multi thousands of years old chief engineer of the flagship of the fleet what the <laughs> fuck lady on a positive note, Uhura looks so fucking cute when she starts as anything goes up and, she, and Spot kind of cocks an eyebrow at her and she starts doing the little, uh, you know, flap flapper dance. Uh, and I thought there was going to be some some good choreography. I, I was hopeful at the beginning because there's a scene where uh, Erica and and whoever sits beside her i don't know her fucking name because she's not a character uh-huh. right uh, yeah the other kind of the con yeah yeah they, they kind of synchronize their movements and they're both like hmm that's weird i thought there was going to be some intricate interesting choreography i think there's plenty of choreography for a 53 minute episode of television but <laughs> the bar scene's the best the bar scene <laughs> and the grand finale I'll give you those. Oh, God, that's this is weird just that loggerheads because the bar scene is by far i think the worst song Oh, the, I'm not. I'm not the, saying anything the about the music. Part. Okay, I, I just, just think like the, dancing, the fun they're the having, the, the the like, what is it, Moulin Rouge esque nature of that yeah. is much better than most. I of the do wonder. I, I I think maybe the the plot held them back because clearly they were trying to build towards the big ensemble number, whereas a conventional oh, yeah. musical would probably space those out, you know, or, uh, more more evenly. So you'd have a lot more fun people singing and clapping and dancing together rather than just essentially solo after solo after solo and a duet at best but that's what i mean like it felt like they were saving it all up for the end and i think the end does hit i i I like it both Uh musically i like it comedically and i like it um thematically you know that everybody on the crew works together uh and they are something special I, i i like that um but everything else seemed diminished because they were saving it all up you know uh anyway the the intro is interesting they do a mostly acapella in- intro uh theme song oh we, do we actually get to the that. first we we acted to the first song i want to talk yeah uh-huh um i again i don't know if this is lost on you uh but i no i i know the where they're actually singing the most unusual so peculiar part 
This oh. is like it gets reprised. That happens before the 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 theme and okay. all that. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> you thrown me. Did we? Did you introduce this part? Which part? Where the? But they, they all start go, singing. They, they start go breaking through out. the ship and they're like consternated by why they're all singing. Like yeah, yeah. The, the whole first song, like the old yada yada, uh-huh. the whole first song. Anyway, I'm gonna yada uh, yada all these songs. I'm gonna say they sing a song about X. Oh Jesus Christ! I should have, right? I should have, I should have led this one. All right. Um, I really. <laughs> what else I is thought, there to say? They sing a I thought, song in D minor, and it's uh, reminiscent. You're right. Of this there was no like... cuter, interesting reactions for anyone. <laughs> they just fucking sang a song in a monotone with no choreography and absolutely no in... whimsical things. And then the episode ground to a fucking climax was kind of acceptable. And let's just get to the feedback. No, yeah, let's do Juan it. Juan was right. hilarious. The obvious discomfort she was feeling being forced. Like that stuff was super. You know what? When Fuck I'm it. recapping, I'm going to say they sing theme. a song about this, and then you're free to talk about whatever you want to talk about within that song. Look, I'm here to recap. What I can I Lon say about and Ortega song? were really funny. If the people also enjoyed this episode, you you you, you know, yeah, I, I like that. I like that part. Oh, I like the <laughs> intro. I think the acapella the, the, the stuff acapella they did was fun. Was a bop. I really yeah. appreciated it. I we we stand in one. In fact, I was like. Uh, I already had a giant smile on my face, and when I realized that they were doing something fancy with the credits too, just like ah, oh, I was in the tank. Yeah, uh, and they've done this before. You know, they do this on the animated episode. Sure, uh, seems like they they like to change it up when they have a reason to, and that's good. All right, the crew meets to try to figure out what's happening. Spock thinks they're in an improbability field, which is creating alternate reality where people sing. And apparently they're opening it up like a zipper as they travel, so they decide to try and zip it back up. Uh, you got some Heisenberg compensators, some shield harmonics, and a deflector array. Oh, man. Oh, that man. Is the the techno babble, uh, Yahtzee or Bingo or whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, they've it's, lampshaded this. The, the, I don't know if I've never noticed this about Star Trek um, or if it's something that's peculiar to this show, but this whole, like, if I can form an analogy about a subspace phenomenon, then it must l- work like the physical analogy. Like, mm. oh, that mm-hmm. looks like a zipper. I wonder if we could zip it up backwards. I'm like, why would you think that? Why would you? Yeah. First of all, it doesn't really look like a zipper. Uh, it sure. looks like the Enterprise is a pizza cutter slicing the fabric mm. of space and time can what you back a pizza slices? slicer up i don't think so pella hmm. just put more cheese See, on that, it now you're rubbing off slices. on me i fucking starting to hate her too but uh <laughs> i like the ghost i like Mbinga, this big tough guy who just you know belted out a song and they're talking about we all sing he's his line of like and so did i and i do not sing I thought mm-hmm. that was hilarious. Uh, Pike's coming like cold open of so that happened around the conference. That I thought that was really funny. Is that in uh, bigger stuff meta? Is it because the dude? The, let's call him Babs. That's what he's like uh, credited as on IMDb, and I'm not going to pronounce his name because I'll get it Baratunde wrong. Baratunde Holy is this shit! Name. All right. I eventually learned how to say Mr. Echo's name from Lost. So I will learn your name, sir, but it's going to take a while. <laughs> we, we'll need seven seasons of Star Trek. Any less than that, I can't guarantee it. Uh-huh. So 
you know. Uh, it, anyway, I think this is meta because he only gets a couple of lines in this entire episode, and I don't know if that's just a happenstance of the plot. Like, ah, we didn't have much to do with Mbenga because he got his big moments earlier uh, in the season, or if that was a specific request from the man himself. Like, you've heard me speak, right? You expect mm-hmm. me to sing? Fuck you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it could be a wonder because, like, I actually thought the his line in the finale was one of the more kind of like joyful, fun things, like him skipping through this. Sick oh bay, yeah, talking about. Mm-hmm. I like. I liked it when he sang, and he had kind of like a, I don't know, like that the 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 like that cool London kind of you know yeah, singing, yeah. Mm-hmm. where there's a little accent to it. You know, most people. Dirty. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. A little like a little little grimy. Uh-huh. Uh. I found it most. Pe- yeah, I, I thought that. Yeah, he should have gotten more lines. Yeah, he might. He might have requested not to. I don't know. Uh, I really love the line in this scene where Kirk says, "Mr. Spock, you explained that very well. I almost understood it." That's maybe the most Kirk thing I've ever heard him say. He's he's being very playful with Spock. You can start to see the seeds of their relationship from the original series. Can can you believe that we're getting this much James T. Kirk? It's great. No problems. Do you think that there's a way... Do you think this will get old? I feel like it's kind of genius to have the man's brother on the ship. That you've mm-hmm. always got a reason that like, oh, why does he keep coming back to Enterprise? You know, blah, blah, blah. But he's a first officer now. If he shows up literally every other season next... <laughs> well, I don't know how they're going to do that. Yeah, I mean, it kind of made sense here. You know, he's going to go train under one of the highest profile first officers in the fleet. I mean, the highest I mean, again, I'm loving that they're getting away with this. Uh And maybe they maybe if we all collectively agree that we like Jim Kirk enough on the Enterprise that we can just, you know, will our suspension disbelief. But it is going to like his his whole the whole plot point is like, I'm a rolling stone, baby. I just, mm-hmm. I can't pin me down any one spot unless it's the fucking bridge of the USS enterprise. <laughs> and that I'm inexplicably here way more than you would think. But yeah. I think it's been more strained in previous episodes than it was here. So I'm hope I'm hoping they can be creative with that and come up with more reasons to see him. Cause yeah, it's, I enjoy watching him. They have a whole arc with his brother, Sam, that it looks like they're wanting to work through, too. That's yep. uh, Again, I'm not complaining. I just uh, I know that that's one of the as much universal praise as getting among truck fans. I've, I've seen some people be like, I don't know how they're going to keep. Yeah, I, I, or I, I don't find it plausible that Kirk is spending as much time with the crew <laughs> as they, they you know, and, and, that, and the, in, early goes the season. I'm like, OK, you can have a time travel episode where you can do some kind of you know mirror universe version of kirk that'll that'll work mm-hmm. and then they he just keeps coming back has he been in yeah. like seven out of the ten episodes a lot a yeah. lot a, a lot. lot and he was in a lot of the finale episode from last season right he was he was indeed yeah it's been a good chunk of it like half of the episodes um yeah we'll see see if they can keep it up Anyway, we uh, go over to Spock, who's trying to find the correct frequencies for the deflector beam that they're creating. He notices a log of Chapel's comms with Dr. Corby, and he asks her about it. She says she doesn't know anything about it because she doesn't read personal logs, but tells him that you should probably ask her about it. And he's like, ah, we're not on... It's not that they're not on speaking terms. They're just not communicating very well right now. 
I thought his like, of course, that would be unethical. Like he, I got the mm-hmm. idea that if her is like, was of going like, yeah, why don't we fight? He he would not have reported that to the chain of command. No, nope. He would have read it. Yeah, what do you think's gone wrong with Chapel and Spock? Just too like just too much too soon. Like Chapel thought it'd be hot, and then Spock's just a lot. Spock yeah. is it's a rebound. She fetishized the Vulcan uh the, the Vulcan sex and suddenly yeah. she got it and she's like, ah, eh, been there, done that. Yeah. Yeah. And now yeah. his yeah, his she's yeah, it's one of those things where like they were in their honeymoon period, right? Mm-hmm. And then they got out of that after one date, I guess. And now they kind of can't stand each other. Or she can't stand him anyway. But she's got a lot to work through. I don't know. She's she's early in her career. <laughs> That's a hilarious thing. Eh, we'll talk about it when we get there. But she's early in her career. She wants to do a lot of stuff. And this might hold her back. Yeah, no, I agree. I don't. I just think it's. Uh, I I've always been. I was kind of taken aback at how schoolboy Spock has felt through all this. But yeah, I guess that makes sense. And he does. He, he seems like he's very like small C conservative. You know, um, mm-hmm. like I think he believe. Like I, I don't think he was prepared for as casual a relationship as what it's been. Yeah, you know that he was like he right away, like the next and... episode, immediately like, what are we? Should we report this? To? We got it. We got to be an official couple, you know. Mm-hmm. And she's kind of like, I thought we were JB just banging, you know. Uh, yeah. yeah, I'm curious to see what what the uh, like when the next time Tapring comes back, is he going to try to like rekindle <laughs> things with her? Is he going to just like go on a full incel arc that he just like I just don't understand <laughs> sure. women. I broke up with my Vulcan fiance and I went with Nurse Chapel and now she's off to I don't get uh, I don't I don't know. I mean, it seems like that might be headed that way with the song that he's singing this episode. But I know it's very we'll see. Yeah. Red alert. Here comes an ad break. Let's boldly go back to the episode. Welcome back to Baldly Go. So Kirk and Una are making mods to the ship and they break out into song and dance as they discuss her leadership style. Get another Gilbert and Sullivan reference, which is just sprinkled all across Star Trek, huh? I like the Gilbert and Sullivan. I thought like but I they thought do. this was very much more Rogers Hammerstein, Sherman Brothers style. Hmm. Um very chim chim cheru. Uh but it's it's cute. Like I, I don't think um I don't think either of these people are the world's strongest uh, singers. Rebecca Romaine or whoever the Jim Jim Kirk is. Yeah, they're serviceable, um, and you can I'm definitely sure tell the people assisted. they're they're trying to keep within an octave. Like yeah, Anson yeah. Mount, another one like that, versus the people that they give, like Christina Chong, the Lawn. They really let her fucking belt. Uh, yeah, she's very good. Uhura, they let her belt it out too uh, in engineering yeah. there. Yeah, she's that's uh, Cecilia Rose Gooding. Um, I, and really I, I wanted... we got some feedback from the people. The guy was predict, predicting who would be good just by looking at their, you know, IMDb history and like, oh, this person's got a theater background. This person's actually has uh, discography. Yeah. And yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, yeah, these guys, not so much. But it's it's one of those very, you know, uh, simple and it, it is very, uh, you know, people talking about command and how to do command mm-hmm. better and 
and Una yeah. articulating that she used to be kind of like an island unto herself and pursuing her own truth and connecting to that truth allowed her to connect better with her, her crew because she didn't want to be that way. That's how she thought things had to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, She's I don't also, know. Yeah, you also have to keep yourself at a certain amount of remove, I guess, from them. That's At least that's Picard style. Uh, mm-hmm. He he lets very few people in because, you know, he has to make those tough decisions. And Seems like she's trying to go more Sunny. Riker now. She's trying to be mm-hmm. a little bit more connected to the crew. And yeah. the, the other thing is La'an observing how casually they're singing about their feelings is the thing yep. you're supposed to be noticing in the background, her going around. At first, I'm like, are, is she jealous? But no, she's just terrified that she's going to get around Kirk and, you know. She's jealous, <laughs> but not... Not that Kirk and Una are developing a relationship, but she's jealous yeah. that Una can express herself, right? Yeah, she doesn't have to be terrified if she's going to commit the confess to an illegal love. I guess that's the other thing yeah. is like this is <laughs> pretty big Federation. You're not quite prime directive, but secondary tertiary directive of like don't fuck with the time flow. Yeah, by confessing your extra chronological relationship with a character. Yeah. Um, and she's going to sing a song about that. She's going to go back to her quarters and, and sing about how Una is so open and free and she wishes she, she was more like that. Uh, and maybe she'll get there. Who knows? Live yeah, I think this life. is going to probably be called Flying Blind on the soundtrack. I thought this was really... This was a this decent was, song. Yeah. I, this was strong. This almost has a hook uh, and she's a good singer. So, yeah, I, I think this one was was pretty decent. Uh, flying by that's a pretty I, I that's I thought it's a pretty good hook um, but yeah. uh, you know she said I, I thought this visuals were strong like her rolling around in bed with this idealized Jim Kirk from another line and her wondering if like this this uh, time could repeat or unravel um, and there's a little bit of a Jesus take the wheel or subspace wave take the wheel because she just <laughs> wants to let go Mm-hmm. Uh, but she knows deep down she won't because she has no faith. And there's even a little um, non-determinism talking about consent and freedom as concepts are not real. Mm. Um, like she's trying to, I like, feel like she's like withdrawing and intellectualizing her problem to avoid uh, dealing with the emotions. I, I bet again, yeah, it makes sense. Um, Christina Chung does have a pretty strong theater and singing background, and you definitely tell they they open up the music quite a bit. They open yep. up. Uh, the composition quite a bit because she's got the range for it and the power too. Yeah. That's the thing. She, she's doing some fairly tricky singing here. It's not just, you know, we're going to, we're going to give you these notes and hit it. You got to transition between notes pretty seamlessly. And she hits that stuff really well. Mm-hmm. It reminds uh, me of like the Define gravity from the, the, the wicked. It's got a lot of that kind of same feeling and musicality. Huh? Haven't seen that one. Uh, so Lon then goes to Pike and says, you know, I think these songs might be an actual security threat because they express uh, emotions. So experiments so threat to, to my personal emotional security anyway. <laughs> yeah, but kind of a threat to the timeline, too. She's got she's got a point no, here, right? With yeah. her particular situation. It's and a like, threat. And she's going to, you know, make the point about why it's a threat to everybody here in a second. Well, and even without the destruction of space time, like there's some species like uh, Vulcans that this would be extremely traumatic. And like, obviously the Klingons, this is yeah. some crazy shameful shit that's happening in the data. Understand? I do love that. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, I, I yeah, it's uh, just she's. Just, I, th- I think this is a very selfish motivation, but like she's not uh-huh. wrong. She's not wrong. Right. Uh, so the experiment's ready to go. They fire it up. Seems to be working. Unfortunately, they didn't actually zip the subspace fold up. In fact, the singing has spread to Battelle's ship, and she gets on comms here, and her and Pike sing a song about their frustrations with each other for a bit before Lon cuts that transmission, and Spock tells Pike that the improbability field has expanded to the entire fleet, or I guess at least 12 ships so far. Yeah, I thought this was cool that they did a reprise of the most unusual, so peculiar like intro song, and then smoothly kind of blended into this private conversation. Um, uh, you know, kind of like a slinky, uh, conspiratorial bop. Uh, and again, the visual of Laan kind of like seeing this back and forth, and just you can see her in the background storming across the bridge to like slam mm-hmm. the disconnect button on her as console. I, that that yeah. made me laugh out loud. And, and I like the the moment that she slams it, where Pike has just like fallen to his knees. He's about to belt it all <laughs> yeah. out, and then she cuts it abruptly. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, pretty good um, it's good and you can uh, tell like a, I think Anson Mount says uh, his range not nearly as good as as Christina Chong's because it's very both of these guys are very uh, this is this is a roughly the the range I possess uh, that they're singing in which is not great <laughs> I don't even have a full octave it's like four and a half notes jeez <laughs> four notes and a semitone that's what I got uh, well you know none of these people signed up to be on a musical so I, I don't hold it against them yeah, uh, I love. I cannot get enough of Spock scowling into his science hood. I fucking love. I miss yeah. that so much in the old series. Spock just looking at mm-hmm. that thing and the shit flashing on his that face and green glow every time, or whatever. Every time Peck goes and stares into that, I'm like, oh god, it's so cool. Mm-hmm. I need a science hood. I I I trade all five of these monitors for one science hood. <laughs> sure, watch the episode through a science hood. <laughs> uh. I, Apple's releasing a science hood pretty soon, right? Yeah, it'll be ten thousand dollars and uh-huh. it has a proprietary dongle. Oh yeah, you don't know where you stick the dongle. <laughs> don't want to know. Uh, it, you know what I like is the Kirks measuring their dicks. Uh, this is a lot yeah. of fun. Yeah. I, I the shame of this episode is that Sam Kirk doesn't get a song. I wanted to see him sing. These brothers are just locked in a never-ending Kirkoff, and I don't know. Like, it's entertaining. These brothers kind of like squabbling, and the fact that Kirk, you know, James is like surpassing Sam. But I wonder what they're going mm-hmm. with it because this is like the third episode this season where Sam is just kind of disgusted that Kirk is outdoing him, and Kirk is completely unapologetic about it too. Yeah, why? Why would should he apologize? It's like, for being it's like ambitious. get good, rookie. Yeah, yeah. like. Stop fucking with the science shit and put on the gold shirt and command. Or don't and just get over it. Although Kirk Kirk's kind of shitty about him. He, you know, he keeps saying, oh, you're supposed to be in zoology. You have no business being on an actual experiment. What? Yeah. Fuck you, man. Yeah. 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 Uh, it's, uh, I'm, I'm trying not to take a side, but I yeah, I, I agree that this guy who was the first Kirk that we were introduced in Strange New World seems to be... I mean, uh, no, it's not even... A, it's not even... Uh, it's not even close. James T. Kirk has been on this show more than Sam Kirk, who works on the ship. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Screen time, certainly. Uh, wh- what do we know about Sam Kirk in the original series? Is he alive? I have no idea. I have, I have no knowledge. 
Okay. I don't even know if the original series mentions him ever because I've not seen it, but... I'd be surprised because every single time I think the show has truly invented a new character, it feels like, oh, actually, that was from that one or... Uh-huh. It's it's very this show is very good about picking picking through the canon for and finding little little undigested nuggets. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's move over to her having a theory about the uh, reality they're in. Maybe it follows the rules of musicals, namely irrational thinking, potential to drive them apart and express their deepest emotions. Uh, Captain Pike wants to blow up the space of Spacefold. The way he says, I think we should blow it up, and the look on his face is is brilliant. It's Anson Mount. That is the thing he's good at. His comic timing, man. And it comes right on the heels of the private conversation where, like, the, the, Uh the, the subtext of this whole scene is he's doing a ready room presentation with his crew who's all seen him humiliated on his hands and on his Uh knees beseeching his girlfriend. We've got to solve this. Yeah. Yeah. We need to blow. Yeah. I think we should blow it up. Like, it's Uh it's remarkably like the Klingons because that's their reaction, too. Like, we're coming across the neutral zone. We're blowing this shit up. You stay the fuck out of our way. We're not talking about this. And Spock. Spock concurs because he's uh-huh. unnerved by this stuff too. And and at least they're doing a test first, right? Like that's the thing Spock brings to the table is let's not go all rogue, you know, cowboy here. Let's do a test first and it's a good thing they do. Um so so yeah, Lon comes up with the idea to transport some subatomic particles, I guess out of the fold and try and blow them up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and gets assigned to do some uh, cross targeting with Kirk. Oh. Mm. A little cross targeting. Never hurt anybody. Um, Can I ask you something? Yeah. Why are they making a point to have Jim Kirk step on Laon's toes this entire episode? Like in kind of like I a show, know. like a kind of a, a, almost a chauvinistic way. He apologized for it all the time, but he's like, you know, she's has this thought and he like completes it. And so, a lot of times on Star Trek, they'll use that, you know, as a way to show sh- characters are simpatico. They're like, but, you know, right. um, yeah, like Beverly will be like, I think we should isolate the growth factor. And Jordy's like in the positronic matrix to do. And it's like, but this it's like he did that. And it's like, oh, you're you're like stealing on thunder. Uh-huh. And then later in a scene, he starts to command one of her crew members. And he is that just like um, they're, they're trying to show why he needs more seasoning as a commander or. Why? Because it seems like it annoys the piss out of Laan, but she also still is super in love with this guy. I, I didn't quite get what they were getting with that. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I don't know if it's like showing that he's kind of worming his way into this crew in a weird way. like, Or, or maybe it's like he's coming captain, up with eventually. excuses to work with her to indicate that he is as in like to tell us uh, he's as into her as she is into him without the subspace connection or that the time mm. travel connection because because i almost Maybe. thought they're like are they going to do like some kind of like would you sh- cool your fucking uh man jets for a bit um but mm-hmm. no they never got there so i, I was I, I i wasn't quite sure what they're going for yeah i don't feel like that's really an integral part of kirk's personality so maybe it's something he moves beyond by the time of the original series i think that like i think it's as kirk has depicted in the original series is pretty sexist and chauvinist like he's good for the times but like zap brannigan 
from Futurama is based on Kirk and uh-huh. a big part of his personality is he's just like terrible with women. Yeah, uh, yeah, but the, the interrupting thing is like specifically what I was thinking about, you know, like mm. it, he's not really known for talking over his crew. He's no. kind of known for listening to them and taking their advice, right? Yeah, yeah, by, by and large. Yeah. So I don't know, maybe it's just, you know, showing how rough this young Kirk is. Uh, lessons he needs to learn. So Lon tells Una she can't take the assignment because she's afraid to sing to Kirk due to the space-time implications. And Una, via song, tells her that she regrets keeping her own secrets. So you probably shouldn't do that. Yeah, this is the secrets you keep. Uh, That's what they're probably going to call this. And... um... There's like a montage of uh, everybody else thinking about the secrets they're keeping. Spock and Chapel, they got uh, Pike and Batal. Um, I, I like the part where Una turns off the gravity and they kind of dance around in the air. And she's, you know, this the whole point of this is like, look, I understand we both developed survival skills from the way we grew up where we put ourselves on an island of one so no one can hurt you or, or hurt us or let us down. And I perfected this skill and it helped me survive and it worked before, but it doesn't serve me anymore. Um, yeah, it's good stuff. Mm-hmm. I like it. Okay. Uh, that just because, you know, like you, you these these maladaptive uh, coping mechanisms we come up with as, as, as kids and young adults, uh, sometimes they're the things that hold us back uh, sure. to succeed in, in life. And Lon needs to, to hear that. And also it's nice to see Una kind of branch out from where she was too. Like I said, I was impressed that they channeled so many cult like season long character arcs into this musical episode. Yeah. They're doing a lot of character work in these songs. Um, and hopefully you can, you know, follow them, uh, taking notes. I definitely had to rewind a bunch because I missed lyrics. And I was like, Oh, what are they trying to say with this song? Mm-hmm. Um, but I imagine just kind of watching it, you pick up a lot more. Mm hmm. Uh, so then Lon and Kirk cross-target their subatomic particles and send them to Spock for his experiment. Uh, Kirk says they should team up more often, and Lon starts to tell him how she feels, but Spock blows up the particles, nearly destroying engineering and interrupting their moment. Soak, hmm. like soaking subspace and kerosene and putting a match to it. Yeah. Uh, she just like really that. breaks some rules here, you know. I I'm almost surprised that like the temporal cops don't show up right then and there and like slap the words out of her mouth because they know she's about to do this because she does it. Mm, that's like <laughs> so. That's your the yeah the temporal police did a little did a little bit of uh, oh they're fucking with it pulling all the time. on this and pushing on that and kaboom. Oh, no, I, I just think they should have shown up and said, ah, 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 oh, we oh, see what yeah. you're about to do here. Don't fucking do it. We're going to arrest you. It is kind of funny how off the leash she is for, inst- mm-hmm. you know, like this. This is clearly an organization that could closely monitor her, you know, but maybe also they just know how things are going to going to happen. So, like, as long as she's not on the track of them getting mm. together. But yeah. no, I heard just revealing that this information probably is something to corrupt the timeline. Yeah. You would think so. I mean, they told her not to tell anybody about it and here she is telling, and Kirk himself is like, you're about to make a huge, uh, you're about to do a huge pro faux pas here. 
uh, break some big rules. Are you sure you want to do this? And she says, yep, I'm doing it. Well, you know what I say. They make a real cute couple, so fuck the time, please. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. Ship uh, those characters. Lon, Lon, Lurk. I'm I'm a lurker. I'm a big lurker. Yeah. Shipping Laon and Kirk. I'm with you. I, I like him. I like him. I mean, we obviously know that doesn't really go anywhere, but temporarily it could. I'm trying to think if there's any other combination of that because you like I don't know what you do with Nuni and Singh. Khan, I like Khan. Khan. <laughs> oh, that's a good one, Jim. You've totally Ka-an. redeemed yourself. Yeah. Ka-an. I hate musicals, but I like puns. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. We can we can see eye to eye on that one. <laughs> Uh, so Spock says blowing up the improbability field would destroy everyone affected by it. So that's out. Mm-hmm. Uh, they get a message from a Klingon ship, which has already been affected, and they are coming to destroy the fold. We've located the abominable source of our dishonor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love it. The description of expression of emotion via song as dishonor is so good. I do. I do love it. Um, and because the whole episode, I'm wondering, like, oh, my God, what is because I thought they were going to go with them coming in doing the opera. Right. Oh, of you course, always hear about yeah. Klingon opera. Right. And, you know, Worf's always listen to Klingon opera. It's ear splitting. It's like they're, they're mm-hmm. going to do something funny with that. I did not see Backstreet Boys coming. Um, yeah. <laughs> really? <laughs> and also, hey, there's this kind it. of like, you know, because like Pike's getting a, de- a hail from the Klingons and he's like, I can't I can't take the risk of singing. So like just like put them, you know, just to hang up on them. And that's like feeds into the Klingons paranoia. It's like your evasion just makes us uh, suspect you all the more. So like him trying to avoid mm-hmm. trouble has gotten them into more trouble. I thought that was uh, a nice little uh, thing, too. And he also tells uh, Ahura that uh, everything's riding on them and Spock. You guys got to find a different tempo. Uh, mm-hmm. another cute music metaphor that they're mixing in here yeah uh, and then warning us the last thing anyone wants to see is singing Klingons I think you're dead wrong about that that was the thing I most wanted to see what I, I, I forget who says it uh, it oh, might be Erica yeah, yeah, yeah. says the last thing the la- anybody yeah. wants to see is singing Klingons wrong I thought you said um, I said that. I'm like, no, I just was wanting to see like opera, maybe. But yeah, I definitely no, want to the see episode. They they said it in the episode. What the hell? That makes it, sense. It's, it's They're pretty prejudiced. Tongue in cheek, right? Yeah. No, and They're also like, they have a deep they have a deep seated prejudice against Klingons. Oh yeah, that, I guess it's true. <laughs> the Federation would at this time. Yeah. Ortega in particular. Uh huh. Like it's like the, the the ones that the the real Klingon haters on board are Ortega and Binga and Chapel. Those are the yeah. ones we know are veterans of the Klingon war and they just like fucking hate them on site. Mm-hmm. So Pike's crew meets about what to do about the Klingon situation because uh, they're coming to destroy the fold and thereby everyone who's ever had contact with it, right? Like, I think that's the thing is we learn that if you're affected by it and you blow it up, it will blow you up too. Mm. And um, it's spread through almost the entire Federation and clear through the Klingons. Right. It's, it'd be bad. Yeah, so they don't want them to blow it up. Lon gets assigned to come up with a strategy to take out the Klingon weapon systems before they can fire on the fold. And she has Kirk help her. And then Spock and Uhura are assigned to try shutting down the fold before the Klingons arrive. Two, two prong attack on this thing, which is nice, smart. 
this is dangerous, you know. Pike, uh, sorry, not Pike, uh, Kirk and Lon going off together again. She knows what she's doing. It's not good. Mul- multiple threats of the galaxy here. Lon mm-hmm. destroying the timeline. Spock and Uhura destroying subspace. Mm-hmm. Everything's standing on a knife knife edge. So Spock suggests they study the songs for patterns that can, I guess, break down the improbability field, cancel it out. Uh, Spock tri- triggers a song by speaking with Chapel, who's celebrating her acceptance to the, the fellowship. She explains via song how important it is to her, and I guess breaks up with him. I, I wasn't, I wasn't really getting the breakup part of this, but later in the episode, he's like, "Yeah, we're broken up or whatever," and Uhura scans the song for patterns the whole time. Yeah, the the one the last stanzas of the song, I'm um, this I'm ready song is if I need to leave you, I won't fight it. And Spock's is kind of observing, like like it, it feels if, like if right that that very much felt like a. If we can't work this out, I'm still gonna do it, and we'll break. I up, know, but, but then like, Spock I'm later on, de- Spock later on describes it as like I heard the de- definitive end to our arrangements. So I yeah, like I felt strange. like there again, this is another missed communication. The chapel's uh, like yeah, yeah. we're taking a break. You know, a break a break, uh-huh. Spock. Uh, the, how those work, and <laughs> I guess yeah, his thought familiar. his thought is like Chapel. As soon as she gets out of. A port galley, she sprints to the arms of the first available midshipman and jumps his bones because that's what he would do, right? Right. Um, right. He just maybe can't that take a but... second break, right? I'm already on break. I can't do another break. Yeah, Spock's just really seems really traditional and old fashioned and uh, uh, kind of inexperienced. And Chapel seems like she's pretty worldly and carefree and experimentative, and she's. Uh, mm-hmm got the throws as major success and she really wants to see how far she can go. And does she really want some Lieutenant on a starship <laughs> holding her down? That's this, this news changes everything. But I, I don't know why she didn't tell Spock. That's where it's like, I feel like yeah. they're painting, they're painting Porner's chapel to be, you know, like the, the, the a, a girl ghost in, Spock on fucking Bumble or something. I the, the, the way they're mm-hmm. writing her is like intentionally like hurtful or dismissive. Like I, I don't know. Like why wouldn't she tell Spock? Why would you want Spock to find out? I don't know what on the, the day you get your transfer order, or are you just not going to tell him at all? He's going to yeah. leave the ship and yeah, it's hmm. It's a, it's a hard conversation for her to have. I can understand why she would be reluctant to have it, but yeah. but it needs to be had, and she knows that. Yeah, and like I said before, it's like a lot of the relationships on Star Trek do tend to be pretty YA, but like I rationalize that by thinking, again, I, I, I actually unironically learned a lot about relationships and, and, and how things work by watching Star Trek, and I'm not going to begrudge kids uh-huh. nowadays because, yeah, this all feels extremely juvenile in high school. Yeah. But I can't say anything better about like all of Jordy's misadventures oh, in Star God. Trek: Next Generation. <laughs> Leah Brahms, shit. Oh my God! And not so just cringe. that. Like, you remember how that tryhard he was? Like on that one holiday where he's trying to, he's got like dudes violining on the beach, and he's got the weather just uh, perfect, and mm-hmm. he can't even pay attention to what she's because he's just oh, fucking Jordy, yeah. man, get together. You got to be more like Cisco. Cisco was a smooth operator. Cisco knew what was up. His beach scene was much better. <laughs> His job is beach. Uh-huh. Uh, 
here's a hilarious thing to me about this song and this scene, uh-huh. I guess. This uh, is the one you like. This is my this is one amongst my least favorite, and it's one of your favorites. Not so a huge fan of the song. That. I think the choreography is better than anything else they do in this episode aside from the grand finale. Uh the thing that's hilarious about this song is she's singing about like this fellowship. It's gonna open all these doors, this limitless possibilities she now has ahead of her, and how she can't be dragged down by commitments that she has here on the ship. Tell me what uh t- tell me what role Nurse Chapel plays in the original series. Where she's where is the, she? What is she doing? She's a sick bay, she's a nurse. You don't see anything weird about that? kicking open all these doors to infinite possibilities going off exploring the galaxy and boom here she is back on the Enterprise she's just three months in she's gonna be like yeah I did that thing and now I'm just the nurse on the Enterprise again right I mean it is a very with Spock alongside him she couldn't like all of this is much ado about nothing is my point yeah no you're right that's the other thing is like we know because the rough shape things are in in the old series that some of this stuff is just not gonna go anywhere um, namely nurse chapel not going anywhere she's going away for three months she's gonna be right back here but they always had sexual tension they wrote sexual tension between uh, nurse chapel and spock and spock was always written as kind of like aloof and above it and mm-hmm. i do wonder like I, I i i'm i would love to rewatch the old series between this this uh season two and season three because i feel like some of those interactions will have a whole new meaning i i hope that they've written this stuff with the knowledge of how things end up in Star Trek, the old series. Um, they have to have, right? Has to. Yeah, if you're watching, like, Chapel and uh, Spock in the old series, you're like, what the fuck? But if it's like, oh, my God, those people fucked, like, five years ago, and this makes so much more sense, this interaction. I, that's what mm-hmm. I'm hoping. And I, I kind of feel like I'll be rewarded for that that hope and faith because th- they do seem like they pay attention to that kind of stuff in the show. That's great for the love life. I think for Chapel's sake, they need to have this be an arc where she decides that she doesn't want to go off and, and explore those limitless possibilities, right? She decides, oh, this is where I belong. I belong on the Enterprise. We can explore this way. Uh, exploring the galaxy on this ship is the right choice for me, and I'm I'm going to be the nurse here. Yeah, like otherwise it's, it's pathetic. It's sad, right? Like she goes out, yeah. tries to explore, and then falls back to her old position. That's right. Like if if it turns successful. out the archaeo medicine is like boring, you spend so much time in the classroom, sure. and you, you're always just writing grants, and it's just not. Whereas you're exploring when you're, you know, I can do that. That would make a lot, and that's a rational decision. Like uh, this is better right, for my right. career, but it's like less fun, or it's less hands on, or I don't like but you're right if it's like she has all these ambitions to see what all I can be and you know it's my dream it feels good I've worked so hard there's endless possibilities and, and she's, just <laughs> she's just the nurse on the still enterprise still the nurse on the enterprise yeah that uh, would be sad yeah yeah they'll, they'll have to they're, they, 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 they've got some tricky things that are going to have to they're going to have to the, the maneuver for sure mm-hmm uh, so let's go over to Lon and Kirk as they plan their attack strategy, take out the Klingons' weapon systems. Uh, Lon tells Kirk about their out-of-time encounter and how much it meant to her, but not via song. She wants to get this out before she starts singing. Uh, she also says that... Or, or, sorry, Kirk says he sees her the same way the other Kirk did? No. She she tells him... This is confusing. 
but he sees her the same way because he doesn't know that other Kirk. And this Kirk says, yeah, I feel a connection too, but uh, I'm in a relationship with a pregnant woman named Carol, so I don't know if this is going to work out. When he said Carol, and I was watching this for the first time, I screamed uh-huh. <laughs> because yeah. I had completely forgotten that he Kirk has, has a, a fucking yep. son. Uh-huh. And my next thought is like, oh my God, are they changing canon? Because I thought that Kirk didn't know about Me David too. Marcus. Yeah. But it turns out this has been a longstanding debate among Star Trek fans because if you look at like their actual dialogue and the things they say, it's very ambiguous about if he knew, when he knew, and how much he knew. Because about the Rathacon, like, right? Yeah, Rathacon, because yeah. when the first time Kirk sees David, he recognizes him in sight and says to Carol, is this David? Mm-hmm. But does that mean that he knew that she had a son? Mm. Or that he knew he had that? Or that and it was his son, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because the other thing is, like, David talks about Kirk, like, he doesn't know anything about him and does, certainly doesn't know that he's his father. And yeah. some of the things that Kirk says, like, could be taken as, like, why didn't you tell me like that I was a father or why didn't you tell me that you were having problems? There, there's a lot of ambiguous statements. So like I, again, one of the prime directives, of this show seems to be to smooth over things that have been ambiguous canonically and to kind mm-hmm. of like fill in some of those stories ourselves. And uh, in this, this version, Kirk, def- de- you know, and I, I think it's like by her request, like she always said, like, look, you and I moved in separate worlds I don't want my boy to grow up in yours. It's dangerous. I want him to be, <laughs> it turns out the world is going to be taken over by a psychopath. that's going to string us all up like fucking game meat. But, yeah. but, but yeah, yeah, that's, that's long odds against those bets. And she, she, she lost it. But mm-hmm. I, I was so, yeah. Like, cause I was so in like, Oh my God, this is happening. They're going to, he's feeling the connection too. And like, and then he's like, oh, I've got this on again, off again with this woman named Carol and she's pregnant. And I'm like, like, what? Are th- hmm. Yeah. Wild. Uh, there's also also a reference to uh, the, the Katinga class Klingon ship that you need to be wary of its aft torpedoes. I didn't know if this was a direct reference to some encounter that Kirk has had with the Klingons. It's got to be right. Like there has to be something where Kirk has, you know, an been surprised torpedo. by an aft torpedo. Yeah, yeah. Or uh, or or been extra cautious about it, and this is like her warning him, and so in the future he'll remember that or something. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder. There are some. There are some. Some. Some deep cuts on this show that uh, definitely stretch yeah. my my. Especially since you know we're recording this in advance, and you don't have the. <laughs> The, the research machine, the, yeah, the Reddit and the research machine is uh, as yep. easy to use. But yeah, I was super excited. And I also like, I loved like the lawns, like five seconds, like deer in a headlight, and she's just like, "Wow, you know, <laughs> like that is not at all." <laughs> That's a lot to take in, right? She was prepared for like, "Well, I don't feel it," or you know, but like, "Oh, I feel it," but I have this girl who I got pregnant, and it's a whole thing, baby, you know. Mm-hmm. My life she, is complicated. She should have, her response should have been, yeah, well, I just broke the timeline to tell you. True. So, come on, man. You can ditch a pregnant lady named Carol. We can also, make this happen. Also, what a dog. He's got an on-again, off-again girlfriend that he is uncomfortable, <laughs> like, you know, but he's still putting out invitations to get drinks on Starbase. Yep. 
What a dog! <laughs> James T. Kirk, ladies and gentlemen. The operation. The, the sheer scale of this operation. <laughs> uh... It also it it feels a little strange, and it's gonna feel strange in this moment, right? Because this is the ultimate parasocial relationship. She's had yeah intimate experiences with him. They meant so much to her, and she's trying to explain what they mean to this man who doesn't know her, doesn't mm -hmm. doesn't have you know he might have feelings for her, but not the not the intimate closeness that she feels to this other Kirk. It oh, I felt. I felt so bad for her having to try and explain this, you know? Yeah, and it was so, so it was like like but and I'm glad that she learned the lesson um which is like that wasn't so bad rather than I took a chance and it bit me in the ass and I'm just going to go right yeah. back into my shell again. It's more of like, well, I did that and the worst thing happened. You know what? It wasn't that bad. So that's yeah. exciting for her personal development. I, I mean, uh, the worst you... that happened here is she was right back in the situation she was in before, right? Where she yeah. has this unrequited love. Did you think Paul Wesley did a really good job of channeling Bill Shatner in this scene? Like, there's this one part where he kind of scrunches his face up when he's like steps in and regards, you know, trying to think exactly what he wants to say to her. Where I'm like, holy fuck, this guy is mm -hmm. full on channeling the chat. Yeah, I didn't notice it in this scene, but I think he's doing a great job. I, I don't, I don't know. He looks a little bit like Shatner, roughly, but not. I don't He's think certainly the, not I, a Shatner impersonator, right? But he I, I feel like Chris. I feel like Chris Pine's the same way. Where I don't think he's very uh -huh. Bill Shatner shaped, but he does the character well. Where yeah. I think Paul, Wett, he's got much more of a, you know, a, the, the, he's, he's. I don't know. He does have that facial resemblance. It's it's passing. Slight the bit. hair's not yeah. the same, but there's something about the jaw and the eyes, and that that kind of does it for me, especially when he's. Mm trying to give good Shatner, I think. Yeah. When he gives a shat. When he when he gives a shat, it really <laughs> comes really together. <laughs> uh Spock is looking for patterns in the song, but according to him there isn't one. Or maybe he's just distracted by the sudden end of he and Chapel's relationship. I don't know. Either way he breaks out into song about how distraught he is and then runs off, which triggers Uhura to sing a song about how alone she feels. Uh, and she manages to have a breakthrough during that song. Find a pattern. That's Spock's uh, solo, I'm the X, which is a downbeat reprise of I'm Ready. It's just a slower, uh, minor key version of what Chapel is singing in, in Port Port Galley. Mm -hmm. um, I liked it. I thought the uh, yeah, I uh, the dual meaning of I'm the ex, which is I'm the, the ex-boyfriend, but I'm also like this unsolvable variable in my own personal equation that never balances because I got the the emotions and, you know, and he, he's Cassie, also he's misinterpreting yeah. everything. Like she sees this happy and carefree and he's like feels like he's burdened by all these things and. You know, he blames. I I think they're they're doing another good job of showing how Spock arrives in shape at the old series. Like you know, we're talking about how he was taking all these chances and trying to be a little bit more emotional and get in touch with his human side. And he, unlike Laan, has been burnt by this, and he's running screaming back to the box of rationality. He's like, "This is all yeah. my fault. This I've set aside my entire core philosophy, half of my heritage for her, and look what happened." Mm -hmm. Got rejected. I'm so dysfunctional, weak and emotional. I yeah, I thought it's good. That's a better I'm version the than the I'm ready. <laughs> yeah, I agree. This is 
it's probably my favorite song in the whole episode actually interesting uh, yeah i mean the grand finale is fun but it's yeah it's not but I also you didn't so Is i thought the, her is the keep us connected song where it's like i guess you're just saying where she's singing about her family and how she it's was happy so but she lost everything and she's wondering like why everywhere i go why am i so alone and is this the am I the is this how I'm the best like being on my own and she, realizing that she's a person like there's a that, that lyric of I'm woven of both love and loss um you know and she's found her place as a person that can can make other people feel connected and inspired I'm, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I bought it th- thematically I think the song works I I think the beginning of the song is just bonkers where she's singing about her family blowing up in a shuttle i like why it's it's entirely too upbeat song i like compared to spock's downbeat stuff that he's doing and this song coming in right after it it's like well this is a little more you know upbeat uh Mm. than i think it should be with her singing about her family burning alive and shattering into millions of shards of light i I don't know if that's exactly what she's singing about but uh, yeah no I, i get your i get your meaning yeah, I mean it's the setup for the rest of it. Because that's the alone, thing. This right? is like, the this I forget what they call it, the bridge. This is like you have this downbeat song of Spock, and her starts kind of like downbeat and wistful and mournful, but then she grows and increases in confidence and strength, and then that leads to uh, that. Then emotionally, you've had a couple of kind of like down songs in mm-hmm. a in a row, and, um, and then emotionally she's be challenged to. Go yeah, yeah, this high crew, point right? of the I'm ready, and then Spock throws a fit, and then Laan, you know, has this oh my god, wow moment, and then Spock has his emo moment, and they mm-hmm. they, they 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 turn this around into the finale, and it's mm-hmm. uh is is definitely a pivot point into the third act. Um, yeah, and she's like a, a clearly classic. Sorry, no, I was going to say just clearly, um, uh, Cecilia is one of the better singers on the show, if not yeah, the best yeah. one, and. uh she is i think she carries it pretty well yeah uh there there's one point in the song where she really just goes for it Mm -hmm. and i was like all right that that was well done uh the camera work in this song is non-existent though like it's literally just like oh let's move the camera back and forth and there's one like light show kind of thing that they do for a half second where she's in sort of an orb of light uh and language floating around her communications floating around her but that dissipates and then they just do yeah. nothing with it same with yeah, Spock I mean, but, I mean Spock's but, but you know in an equivalent stage play or musical this would be inky black stage spotlight you know sure, like on these sure. like really mournful things it's it's you don't usually get your big choreograph choreograph choreographed moments you don't you don't get the big right, right. dance numbers you know uh, yeah I mean I saw Hamilton because you just had, like I said, we're, we're bridging. There is done well, but we're bridging. I'm ready, which was like this big fucking show club number, and then we're about to go into uh, the 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 crew of the Enterprise finale. So, yeah, it was a, it was a little uh, low energy, sure. But I get it, Spock. You know, two two relationships down the tubes in a few days. I'd probably that turned me off of love as well for a little while. Stop trying to rebound, man. Yeah. Just stop. You can't you can't do it. You can't do it. Uh so Uhura takes the pattern she found to Pike 
apparently she thinks if they can get everyone singing at the same time, they can cause a spike in the fold that will close it. But they need to inspire everyone all at once. And Pike puts her in charge of that. So uh, Pike gets on the intercom and he tells the crew, we'll get through this by following Uhura's lead. So she introduces herself and starts a song about how awesome the crew of the Enterprise is and everyone starts joining in. And the levels spike as the Klingons begin to approach. And, you know, the whole grand finale happens. There's a lot of a lot of song and dance, literally, that happens here. Uh, it spikes the levels appropriately and the fold closes. Yeah, I this is uh climax of the episode. I think it feels that way. Yeah, um, yeah. I like the setup where like the one thing that Pike is good at is making his crew feel confident that they can do the job set before them. And he gives Uhura mm-hmm. this pep talk. You know, she's like, I don't know how you could possibly inspire. It's like, oh, you're already doing it such a great job. Um, and that uh, you know the her, her talking about like the probabilities because they're you know it's going back to why we're doing this like this crazy probability things happening and and the probability of all of us being together at any one time of, uh, is is uncalculable but here we are and and uh, I don't know I just like like going around seeing the dance the red shirts like I it's it's a simple thing but they're all just kind of going about their deal and then the camera spins and now they're all dancing in formation. Mm-hmm. Um, Kirk thanking the crew for the lessons he's learned for them. Um, I this Pike's whole line of like the Starship Enterprise feels so electrified. I'm so proud to be a cap. I thought that was really funny because again, he's not a great singer, and they gave they gave him they gave him a line. So it's a little awkward sure. phrasing, but I I think they pull it off. And yeah, uh, gets a line here at the end. He kind of bookends the episode. Yeah, and just the way he's kind of like skipping through, and he's singing in uh, his his uh, his clearly accented uh, singing voice, and it's just really cute. Just skipping through sick bay. Just imagine how much it must have taken out of him, because he this is a man that exclusively whispers, right? I don't mm. think I've ever actually heard him speak. I think I've only heard him whisper. Yeah, like even in Dune, like that's his whole deal. He's whispering to Paul in his dreams and you know hissing yeah. hissing insults and challenges and so for him to belt belting. out a lyric here must have taken a lot out of him i don't know if we'll see him in the finale he might he might have sat out the next episode because of the recovery time death threats are nothing new to us it takes monumental faith and trust like i said there's a couple yeah. of uh shaky shake shaky lyrics in in this one but i think it mostly works because they sell it with a bunch of heart um, yeah, and I guess that's well, it's one of the reasons I don't really like musicals very much is because it always feels like a stretch. Like all the lyrics feel like a stretch, unless yeah, unless you're yeah. talking about like the highest tier musicals, right? Like the greatest of all times, and then you yeah. get to places where I'm like, oh, this is actually really good music and incredibly complex and well crafted lyrics. If yeah, you're like kind of like doing something for a one off episode of Star Trek, you're not going to hit those highs, right? Speaking of hitting highs, when like so they're building up and they're getting close to that 344 gigawatts of electron voltage Mm -hmm. subspace frequency and Pike's excited. So he's like, we need more voice. She's like, you know, we're almost there. We need more voices. So he's like, hail the Klingons. Mm -hmm. Come on. You at least like that, right? 
the Klingons doing the B-Boys. It's funny. I, I, I know you're familiar with this. Uh, it struck me as like epic rap battles kind of stuff, which is funny is supposed in the to be moment. A, a bad, a bad uh, I a just bad don't comparison. think the rapping in epic rap battles is very good. Huh. It, it, like, the thing about epic rap battles that is good is how they are able to craft the lyrics you know based on the character that's rapping and the the insults right yeah but here you're not you're not really doing that part of it and so like the epic rap battle style doesn't really do it for me that's not what i go to epic rap battles for yeah i i don't know if that's a hot take because like i i mean i've I've never stayed like maybe it's not like like a, a kendrick lamar but uh I, I thought I always thought the epic rap battle guys did. I mean, they're like nerdy white guys, but uh, they're they're kind of like the uh, Lonely Island boys, where it's like it's it's not. Yeah, yeah. There's this old mo- um, this old uh, this like saying that it's uh, it's not that the dancing bear dances so well that's impressive. It's that it dances at all. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like it's like not that the nerdy white kids rap exceptionally well. It's just that they rap at all. Yeah, for sure. Uh, for sure. Yeah, I thought, yeah, but um. But it's, but, like but, I said, it's, it's, and it's also Klingons. I think that's part of the joke is that they yeah. they are being influenced by some kind of crazy human phenomenon filtered through the subspace thing. And they, they don't like I, I, yeah. I don't get the idea that the Klingons like even understand this as like music. Um, this is something that's this bizarre thing that's happening to them. Yeah. And the choreography. Great dishonor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the stuff's good. And how their armor's kind of like bling, you know, looks very fancy and blinged and like a stage costume and the way their bridge is all done, like the light show kind of. Yeah, with like a little, it's, it's like like, like a carbon freezing chamber on Bespin. It's got a little bit of fog uh-huh. on it. So it's got that stage and just, oh God. Yeah. Oh, that stuff's good. I had like, I had no idea what to expect when they came on the screen. I, I was thinking opera, but. Uh-huh. <laughs> And then no, the Enterprise they better than because because opera would have been funny because of its context within Star Trek, but not as funny as what they did. And such an extreme style, you know, mashup. But this already was uh-huh. like you know they hadn't done anything. It's kind of like hip hop and and uh, mm-hmm. R and B, and they pulled it off. And you got the Enterprise balleting with the three Klingon battle cruisers and. Uh, I just really like the build up to the worthy, unbreakable, unshakable, improbable, unstoppable, sensational, ovational, boldly explorational crew of the Enterprise. Mm-hmm. And then the fireworks that went off when they finally shattered the, the subspace rift. I thought that was just. And, and then it the... all with the classic Star Trek theme that yes. just kind of plays in full at the end, right? What a fucking nice touch. The old Desilu theme. Mm hmm. Just straight up is perfect. Perfect. Yeah. No, they really pull out all the stops for this final number. Uh, and I think it works. Like I said, it felt like they were saving up for this big finale and they, they hit that. Uh, but it's not the end of the episode. There are a couple more scenes here. Lon tells Una how it went when she confessed her feelings to Kirk. She's not happy about that, uh, but it's a start to opening up. So it's not all bad. Yeah, maybe I can be the person who takes chances more often. Good, good for you, mm-hmm. Lon. Um, before the, the previous scene, they had a couple of reactions of everybody kind of like processing. Uh, I noticed that they they made sure that Spock and Christina still frosty. Oh yeah, yeah. He walks yeah. by. He kind of gives her the 
That's the thing. He's his own worst enemy in this scene, right? Yeah. Because like she's not sure she wants to break up with him. She's just like, well, if we need to break up or if we need to not be a thing for a while, that's what I'm going to do. And Spock's like, fuck you. I. Yeah, he's just being stupid. I don't know what to say. (laughs) He basically like checks her into the boards here as he walks by, right? Yeah, but he's like, he's kind of like, well, I'm going back to being emotionally repressed Spock and Mm -hmm. she's made her decision and I don't want to interfere with her. I don't want to be sad mope, but but yeah, like she interprets it as being emotionally checked into the backboards. Yeah. So that's not good. Um I also really like the Anson Mount and Carol Kane doing their little they do they dance a little and I, I'm I'm convinced that that was improv, that this is just like a candid <laughs> moment that they got of them fucking around. Mm-hmm. Uh because because uh, also just like I don't know, the the look on Carol Kane's face is just like Anson Mount works on everybody. Huh. I I missed it entirely. Yeah. Damn. Well, that's what happens when you get so busy hating on a perfectly mm-hmm. innocent musical episode of Star Trek that you miss the the uh the the forest for the trees. Yeah, um, apparently. Okay, so we got we got the I just want to just acknowledge that they had the 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 Spock and Christine whole thing. Mm-hmm. Talk about yeah. Lon. Now we got to deal with Pike and Batal. Yep, he's cooking a meal for her as they talk about the song that they sang earlier on the bridge. Um, she's not upset that he doesn't want to go to the same place for vacation. She's disappointed that he lied to her about it. Um, she can't go on vacation, it turns out, because she got assigned a high-priority mission, but she says they'll go somewhere when she gets back. Yeah, how 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 long is she going to try to make this a thing with Pike when he keeps stumbling? Well, I just wonder if there's some kind of this this priority one mission. You know, that seems like very important. I wonder if there mm-hmm. this is going to be something that uh takes her out of the picture for a long time, maybe permanently. Could be. She doesn't tell him what it is. Mm-hmm. It's just a priority one mission. And they they have this like, you know, there's also this kind of like we'll have more time to plan and like I think that he makes a funny face like, you know, will we? <laughs> mm. Um, because you know, he knows that there's a clock on this whole thing. Yeah. And yeah. I don't know. I I just it this this seems like uh, these guys are just moving apart. They're two ships that pass in the night and they're still trying to keep that connection going and the sea is dark and getting wider between them, you know. You would think he'd be more concerned with banging than he is. Uh, there's a man who's about to have his body so disfigured that he can't get out of a fully enclosed wheelchair. Thing. <laughs> yeah, dude, you got to get it in while, while you, you can, can, man. Yeah, yeah. You're Your gonna time be... is limited here. Come on, You're gonna be blinking once for yes, two for no for the rest <laughs> right. of your life. You... <laughs> yeah, jeez. Uh, all right. When then we get the final scene here where Uhura. Gives her a log supplemental. Uh, all Federation vessels are behaving normally. Spock smoothed things over with the Klingons, and it's back to business as usual. And Uhura, sitting at her console, starts singing. Everyone kind of stares over at her, but it's just a song stuck in her head, not another subspace fold. Yeah, the blood wine diplomacy, and just as she says that, mm-hmm. you see spock stagger off the <laughs> the turbo lift and then he gets Yeesh. together but when, the way he sits at his console is like yeah i know what it's like to be that heavy <laughs> yep 
There's no morning uh, after shot for Bloodwine. No. Just saying. Yeah, there's no plan B for that. You just gotta no. you just gotta deal with it. No, not enough. There's not enough hair on any number of dogs to take care of that. Mm-hmm. Shields up! Here come the ads. At ease, ensigns. Welcome back to Bald to Go. And that's okay. It. We've taken a long time to break this episode. We have a decent amount of feedback. Uh, I think we should get right into it. Let's do it. Star Trek at baldmove.com is how you send in feedback. First up is Brian K says, I love your work and perspectives. You said you didn't realize why the uh, Mariner idolizes Uhura, but in the old series, Uhura is the only black character and the only woman on the bridge. Uhura is the epitome of competence and is frequently the person who makes first contact with any ships or planets the Enterprise encounters. Of course, Mariner is going to admire that. I may be overgeneralizing as a Gen Xer and apologize for any ignorance, but it seems that the Lower Decks, which I do not watch, is about a group of millennials, and they seem to be more about representation than other groups. Yeah, of course. You're right. The thing is, is I, it always throws me because I always take it as the ship in the universe of its time. Mm-hmm. Like, why would Mariner see it as valuable that she's the first black? Because like that's something that's very human Earth, 1960s thing. Like sure. in the actual world of the Starship Enterprise, in real, like there was probably ton, you know, but like. It's probably but still it's part like, of a culture, though. Like, if she met Rosa Parks, would she be as... But Uhura, that's what I'm saying. Probably, like, Uhura right? was like, not the first black bridge crew officer of Starfleet. It was just meta in our world. Right? But it's yeah, like... Yeah, yeah. That's what, mm. So I always, like, when people point that out, I'm like, oh, that's that's obviously correct. But also, it throws me because why the hell would Mariner think that in the 25th century? But I think yeah. you're right. Um, I guess. But if you're a writer writing this in the 21st century... Yeah, yeah, you're trying you, to make you, a that might bleed in there, right? Yeah, yeah, or Makes like sense. you could do the meta joke where it's like, like uh, you could have Boimler, uh, like, oh, you like Ahura because she's you know black and a woman, and you're black and a woman. She's like, what the fuck? The first yeah. black Starfleet captain was in twenty one thirty three. What? Like uh, you could just like turn it on him, like you know, like we're like fucking way past colorblind at this point. Yeah, we've moved on to hating other species of (laughs) sentient beings. Okay, Uh we're keeping it classier. Um, Anyway, Brian K says I'm excited about the musical episode and your speculation about who in the cast would perform well. Aaron thought Cecilia, uh, Cecilia Rose Gooding, Ahura would be good. I looked at the Wikipedia entries in the main cast, and I agree. She was in a couple of musicals and has an actual discography. Research checked out, Brian. Goes on to say, I would also guess that standout performer would be Christina Chong La'an. She has a musical theater background, was cut short by an injury, and she then turned Ooh. to acting. If you recall, there was the one fantasy episode last e- ep- uh, season where Mbinga was a king and La'an is a damsel in distress princess type. She gets to belt out a few notes which are supposed to be dreadful, but I'm telling you they are not. I don't know if you huh. watched the behind the scenes to the episodes, but they're very good. Also found out that the dog in that episode that the princess had was Christina's real life dog. Well, thanks for putting the, that out to us. It says uh, Ethan Peck Spock is also in a single music video, but that's all he's got. Yep. Nothing about the rest of the cast struck me out, uh, struck out to me as indicating they perform well. And I think you're right. I think you've you identified correctly ahead of time mm-hmm. the two standouts, and everybody else was okay. Yeah, I agree. I think that. Um, uh, I think the Ethan Peck might be a notch better than good too. Like I just don't think we got 
to see to see much. Oh, I will say now that we've seen this episode and I liked it a lot. I hope they never do this again. Because why? I felt like the like again, I, I gave you credit for like what you, the truth, the essential truth of what you said, which is some of these songs are just OK. In fact, a ma- 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 vast majority of the music, musicality and the lyrical comp- composition I thought was good for a Star Trek episode. And I think it's going to be really hard if they try to bring this back. Mm. Like They've if you want to mess with improbability fields and do like the starship enterprise in a video game, the starship enterprise entirely oh, animated, like lower decks, mm-hmm. uh, starship enterprise, except for their anthropomorphic animals. Like they use some kind of babe technology. You have talking pigs and dogs, but don't ever bring the musical back. I don't think you guys, I don't think you can do it. I don't think you got it. <laughs> Challenge gauntlet thrown. I mean, Aaron the, Hubbard the, says this they don't is got the it. best of the juice to be squoze. Season three no musical season, left. baby. Let's I, do hey, it. If you can bring it back and do, do, and execute at this level or better, then yes. I just have doubts. I have doubts. Mm. There's only 10 episodes a season. Do we really want to waste it on a mediocre What if it's an away follow-up? mission with Uhura and La'an? They get stuck in a series of caves. And as they try and struggle their way out, it's a musical episode. They're clearly the standouts, right? So let's La'an just. Laan and Ohura made a musical episode in a cave. <laughs> <laughs> and you guys couldn't do it in an LA writer's room. I'll mm-hmm. be damned. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, yeah, I, I, I do like that's my big takeaway is like this was a lot of fun. It was everything mm-hmm. I was hoping for. S- surprises abounding, but I, I it feels like a one trick pony, but we'll see. Dominic says, based on what we learned at the end of the episode, I think the Klingon ambassador, we're talking about the previous episode. Um, I think the Klingon ambassador was running down Klingon society because by those standards, he is a coward. He fled the battlefield and would be dishonored mm. if he ever went home. So why not deflect and tell the other side how horrible their enemy is? Also, if uh, in that same vein, if the Klingon coffee burns him, is that a foreshadowing to the re- revelation that he's a bit of a pussy by Klingon standards? Hmm. I mean, not he's definitely quite. yeah not not adhering to the the Klingon like go down with the ship honor kind of thing, but hot chalky yeah, you're burn right. you're right hot chalky burn your fingies. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. This is to burn your little fingies. Yeah, I saw Worf hold up milk jugs for like nine hours, <laughs> and while he's being beaten with rope or whatever. <laughs> like John <laughs> Tesh was shocking with cattle party, prods. Right? Is that? <laughs> Is that the one where it might be that one? I don't know. He does it a few times. Yeah. But yeah, to not be able to handle a little hot coffee. Um, Dominic continues. I take this is where Mbinga learned that you need a dedicated power supply for the transporter buffer. Poor Lieutenant Redshirt got flushed when they re- had the reset. Good point. Yeah. They continue to. Yeah. Like I said, that the daughter line storyline's over, but it's still impacting the the story. Mm-hmm. I think Chapel's unconsciously pushing Spock away because she's what she learned from Boimler last episode. Ah, hmm, that doesn't feel so. intentionally written that way to me. That's certainly something that gives her a little pause. But I hmm. was feeling that they were drifting apart even before then. Yeah, it felt to me like it was a consequence of Spock's. Uh, the speed at which Spock was trying to push them into a relationship here. 
Yeah, That's and she was already, like and this is also something like she was getting into these fellowships to get away from the emotional awkward situation with Spock. So mm-hmm. it's like, but this is also a career move for her. So yeah, yeah I, I just yeah, Spock was moving too fast. He's trying to re- he's trying to rebound, trying to rebound too hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, Giovanna said, "I love this episode for Deep Space Nine fans. It felt like a cross between In the Pale Moonlight and the Siege of AR Five Five Eight. That's the Raymond Cruz episode we were talking about last week. Uh, I know you said in the past that you'd like to think the Starfleet officers are beyond all trauma and dysfunction, but I think stories of how we work through that are some of the best. But I'm also counselors. So that's kind of my thing. I, I want to clarify. It's not that I have a problem with Starfleet officers being traumatized. It's that I don't like the idea that Starfleet officers would suffer in silence for 30 years of unresolved trauma and sometimes more. Like, I think these would get you like you getting abducted by the Borg would traumatize the shit out of you. But that's why you have Counselor Troy. That's why you have Beverly Crusher giving you mood stabilizers. That's why you have like 300 years of progress on understanding people's emotions and psychiatry. And like, I, I, it's just sad to me that a 90 year old man like Picard would have this many ghosts and unresolved issues, emotional issues. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's yeah. not that I don't think they can't be traumatized. It's like, yeah, I like seeing people work through their trauma. I don't like seeing people wallow in trauma, um, yeah. especially when they're in the 24th century. Can, can I just say something about DS9? Because I just watched In the Pale Moonlight like yesterday or the day before. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's the one where Garrick tricks Cisco into murdering a whole bunch of people. Yeah, right? yeah. Kinda. Like, like Cisco knows he's breaking the rules by like trying to trick the Romulans into getting in the war with the Dominion. With but him. he doesn't know how fucking. But, but he tries to do it with a faked hologram uh, recording of them planning the attack on the car or on the Romulan yeah. homeworld. But Garrick actually has a plan B, which is to kill the Romulan. Uh, I haven't or, seen the show sorry, in like 25 Romulan years, Senator. but the, the showdown between Cisco and Garrick at the end is, yeah. I can still it's like remember stellar. beat for beat. The, the thing that bugged me about that episode is, is exactly what you said. Like working through the trauma, like Cisco is clearly traumatized and he, he's talking to the camera. He's talking to like a personal log because mm-hmm. he says he has no one to talk about mm-hmm. with this, uh, this stuff with. And mm-hmm. I'm thinking, you know, DS9 doesn't have a counselor on board. Mm-hmm. We never see anybody go to a counselor. Why not? TNG had a counselor on the ship. Why can't they have one on the space station? The Cardassians didn't build a counselor's office in Tarak Nor. <laughs> That's the. You can't repurpose. <laughs> I yeah. can't. No. no. It, it, so, so Chief O'Brien's got his trouble. He's got his hands full of keeping a turbo list running. You want him to repurpose a room for counseling? You gotta soundproof it. You gotta, you gotta so, make. So what gotta, are they doing with the the mining uh, rigs that were up there? This forced slave labor that was like uh, refining minerals on Terraknor. What about them? They don't need are those counselors. just disused because they can't be repurposed oh. for anything else. <laughs> we can't turn that into counselors. I, 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 was, I was intentionally misunderstanding. Like, why would the Procassians, why do Cardassians provide their slaves with counseling, you know? <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, it just struck me. Why the hell doesn't Federation You want give... a Starfleet counselor to, to take up a slave's quarters? What? Those, are, those things are just, they, they just store Domjot tables in, I think, now. Yeah. Quark has all his turnips in there or something. Uh... 
Giovanna continues. She says, also as a, min a minority myself, she parenthetically says she's an African-American woman. I was immediately distrustful of the butcher and uh, just because of how he spoke about other Klingons. I've encountered people who do this in real life. They'll denigrate their own race in order to ingratiate themselves with the ones that they want acceptance from, i.e. I'm one of the good ones mentality. This is especially off-putting for a Klingon, a species known for pride and honor. Worf would never. He would not. He mm -hmm. would irritate the Klingons by being out Klingoning them. But, um, I mean, yeah, like the way you see this along racial lines, you see this along gender lines. Um, like the concept of like a pick me girl who likes to differentiate herself from other women, uh, because hmm. you know, she, she's, she's wanting to get in good with the guys. It's, uh, it is, um, it is something that kind of likes, yeah, it feels wrong when someone's trying to make inroads with an out group by tearing down their in group. It's yeah. always something that you yeah. can be suspicious, suspicious of. It's cheap. It's a cheap way to ingratiate yourself. Um, Joe from Scranton says, I'm late to this one, but the talk of the saddle in the Enterprise, you forgot about TNG Starship Mine, where Picard is able to foil a round-eared Tim Russ uh, trying to steal the Enterprise while the ship was in for a baryon sweep because he retrie returned to retrieve what? Do you remember this, Jim? Uh, No. Uh, His personal I, saddle. They had to get all organics off the ship because the Baryon sweep was going to destroy it all, and he left his personal riding saddle. Oh, right, and then he discovers the whole plot. Yeah, I forgot mm -hmm. about that. And uh, they include a brief clip of the script. It says, Lieutenant Worf, Captain, you keep a saddle on board? Commander Riker, Mr. Worf, I'm surprised at you. Dr. Crusher, anyone who's an experienced rider naturally has his own saddle. Counselor Troy, it's all perfectly normal. Jean-Luc Picard actually came in handy. I'd only wish I had the opportunity to use it on a horse. Worf confused, <laughs> of course. They're just like fucking with Worf here. Uh-huh. Uh, finally, wrapping up our feedback this week, TB, I have some good news and bad news. Bad first, I think I'm out on Strange New Worlds, but the good news is I'm giving it the Walking Dead treatment and still plan on listening to the podcast. Woo. Yeah. I thought, I thought we were going to lose a listener. A viewer, yeah, we can, we can, we can, we can lose viewers till the cows come home. Listeners, it's tougher. Uh, TB says I've been a Trek fan since childhood, growing up around the old series reruns and the old series movies. I've seen every tra Star Trek episode up until recently. I hate watch the first two seasons of Disco and Picard. I mostly like Strange New World season one and Picard season three. Of course, the love letter my fandom needed but I just can't get into this season. The cast is almost universally gr good, but the writing is too juvenile, too self-aware, stupid winky-winky catchphrases and franchise referencing jokes that just don't work for me, nor do the Spock 90210 plot lines. <laughs> do the writers realize that Vulcan's lack of emotion is not genetic, it's the result of intense discipline? Changing his DNA wouldn't give him emotions, he already has them. Has the utter crap that Trek was for the last decade lowered the bar so low for this to pass for good Trek? Sounded like the new episode maybe was universally good, so that's a positive. It's, but it's going to take a strike dearth of content to get me motivated to jump back in. Mm. But see, this is the deal. You ran your batteries way too low on the disco and the Picard to now you don't have your repulsors don't have the suspension of disbelief necessary to sustain <laughs> you through a musical episode of Star Trek, for example. Oh, um, yeah. Good luck with this one. I, I mean, I, I can respect it. You know, I, I don't think anything you're saying is completely out of line. I guess it just strikes different people differently, right? I, I kind of appreciate all the references. It's why I'm a fan of Lower Decks in large part. Um, 
that stuff doesn't bother me, but but I get you. Uh, some of the stuff can be a little much. Catchphrase stuff, I'm I'm right there with you. That stuff all kind of sucks the way they've rolled it out. Yeah, that, that, but that's the thing. Is like I was really worried about the cringe factor, and I feel like that's the one that was big. I think there was one other minor one, but and here's the thing. I mean. I'm actually sensitive. Like sometimes I actually think, do I really like Star Strange New Worlds this much, or am I so starved for good Star Trek content that the second to anything even remotely gives me those feelings, I jump on it and I think I love it. Uh-huh. And, I, and I'm looking around, but I'm just I, I. It seems to be a pretty universally held thought amongst a fandom that Star Trek Strange New Worlds is pretty fucking good. Yeah. Um. Some of the the, uh, the professional reviewers that I follow that talk about it, like Alan Sepawal, uh, really seems charmed. Um. So I, yeah, like I, I'm, I'm maximally suspecting that I'm simping for Trek, but I, I this feels like no, it, it's, it's, it's not perfect. It's not no, the expanse. Holy shit! It's not yeah. even the, it's not even foundation. But Star Trek never was like we're fooling ourselves if we think that Star Trek. Yeah. OK. Deep Space Nine had some things that approach like the Expanse. But like, you know, um, Star Trek was never as good as like the best science fiction, the best hard science fiction you've ever seen. It was just like an alternate to Star Trek. You know, it was a little bit more hard edged, a little bit more philosophical, a little less action oriented. And to me. To me, the trick is it's got with the dancing bear of everything. I just can't believe the people that made Disco and Picard are making this show. <laughs> yeah, because this feels light years better than that stuff. But maybe this isn't. They got a new like you know like if um like maybe Zack Snyder could have made a great DC universe if like only one or two films were like the Zack Snyder depressing dark you know super violent uh take on and, and everything and, and but the, you had other room to explore other tonal palettes um because like i had think about strange new worlds is like i feel like it's the first star trek since you know the glory days of deep space nine that is able to inhabit all those bodies simultaneously they're able to do the mm-hmm. the really thoughtful science fiction they're able to do the character studies to make you really care about these characters and and want them to succeed and they do the goofy funny shit that only star trek really does of all the science fiction fantasies so i get yep. it tb i'm i'm sad for you though um maybe next maybe we'll talk it up and uh, we won't be full of shit and uh, you can jump back in next year if it, it improves a little bit because i do think that the the worst of this the the spock 90210 feels like it's running its course i hope so i certainly do i can't take much yeah. more of it uh that that's been kind of my my biggest complaint with seasons one and two is i just don't care that much about Spock struggling with his emotions because I've seen it all before. I mean, that mm-hmm. is the definition of that character and him going through it isn't, isn't adding anything, you know? I'm already, I already understand everything I need to understand about Spock and everything you're telling me is just more of that. Um, the only thing I'd push back on is the whole change in his DA, DNA wouldn't give him emotions. It's true, but like Vulcans are psionic. Like they can read people's minds and transfer consciousness. They have extra mm-hmm. brain and nervous system structures that we don't have that I think combined with their Vulcan discipline, because you, you, if you combine them to like a baseline, I think Romulan, 
you, you it's a more apt comparison because like ramen's very emotional and their psionic abilities are much less developed because they haven't put in that discipline and training but like yeah i think if you suddenly changed your dna from half vulcan to full human losing those structures whatever those are um and like the hormonal differences the the, the combinations and stuff i i could see that you know, overwhelming a person, but I, I, hey, man, I can't talk in the like in Strange New Worlds. That's point, uh, point blank, bottom line, period. If you want to go with an analogy, I would say it might be like a bodybuilder where you take that bodybuilder who can bench 400 pounds and you take away half their muscle, which is their Vulcan side in this case, and you say bench 400 pounds, they're going to they're going to choke under the weight of that bar, right? It's going to crush their face because mm. uh, mm. they're going to drop it on their neck. Could you express it in like a zipper analogy? Or like, <sighs> it, could it be soaked with kerosene maybe? Yeah, if you soak a bodybuilder with kerosene and you ask them to bench 400 pounds, they probably won't be able to do it. Because <laughs> they'll <laughs> But be if you took that kerosene away, right, then right. suddenly they could do it, no problem. So. That's, that's the opposite of my analogy, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Star Trek at baldmove.com uh, is how you can send in your perfect uh, subspace bodybuilding analogy. Star Trek mm-hmm. at baldmove.com. If you'd like to follow what we're doing other than Star Trek, currently on the menu, speaking of uh, great science fiction, Foundation on Apple TV+. Plus. We're also considering uh, Justified on the Prestige side on FX uh, Hulu right now. You can follow us on almost every social media at baldmove, except for TikTok. We're baldest move there. And finally, if you like what we're doing and you'd like to get more of it with less commercials, zero commercials, in fact, you can go to support.baldmove.com and keep us podding. Until next week, finale episode. Mm-hmm. We'll be back then. But until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See ya. See ya.